So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pull up these tapes. I need all of the high school boys to sit in this row right here, please, with Will. All right? If we have any, anybody that's uh, like 18 to 22, whether you're a college student or not, if you're that age range, you can fill this row if you would. What I'm going to do, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about some things that, that I've talked about with Will, just what it, what it means to be a man of God. And uh, while we're hunting or in the summer, we lay out on the trampoline and watch for shooting stars or satellites or UFOs, and we just talk. And uh, I just want to talk to you guys. We're going to let some of the very youngest men of the church uh, join us. I'm talking to you guys. We're going to let them listen. If you guys, any of you guys in junior high, 5th, uh, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, come up and sit right up here. I want to talk to you guys, too. You can listen in on what I have to tell these gentlemen. So I want to talk to you about this morning about what it means to be a man and what it means to be a man of God. And again, these are just a compilation of conversations Will and I have had over time. I know that some of you have great dads, and you listen to your dad. You do whatever he tells you to do. If your dad disagrees with what I'm about to say, you talk it through with your dad. If you don't have a dad, I want to give you some manly advice. Everybody else is wondering, why doesn't he do this on a Thursday night? Well, the trick is I'm actually talking to everybody, and they'll figure that out in a minute. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you, and they're going to listen. They'll pick up what they want to pick up. I want to talk to you about girls. I want to talk to you about money. I want to talk to you about school and work. I want to talk to you about your integrity. I want to talk to you about a bunch of different stuff. And uh, just, just to get you to think, just to give you some, some experience and some wisdom. I want to start by I want to talk to you about your integrity because I think that's the most important thing a man can own and a man can have. The root word of integrity is integer. So let's go back to fifth and sixth grade math. What is an integer? A number, a what kind of a number? A whole, a whole number, exactly right. An integer is a whole number. So 3 and 17 and 101 and 3,027, those are integers, but 1.2 is not an integer, right? One-fourth is not an integer because it frac- it's a fraction, right? So when we say to you and Pastor Josh or your parents or, or me right now, we talk to you about your integrity, I'm talking about that you are a whole person. That, there is, that you haven't divided yourself up and you are one person in private and you are another person in public. All right, all the moms and dads said amen. Yeah, okay. All right, you cannot be, if you have integrity, you are the same person whether you are all by yourself or whether other people are watching. You are the same person in your thoughts as you are in your actions. You don't have to spin anything. You don't have to hide anything. You don't have to explain anything away. There's nothing you do in your bedroom that you couldn't do in front of your parents. That's integrity. This is the very most important thing a man of God can have, is integrity. You're not hiding any sin. You're not being a hypocrite. You're not being afraid or selfish about what you choose to do. If you're the same person in public as you are in private, then you have integrity. Integrity for a man of God which you get to choose whether you want to be or not. Pastor Josh can teach you. Your parents can teach you. I can talk to you, but really it's totally, it's your decision whether you want to obey God and be his man or not. But if you are going to be his man, you have to be all in. 
You can't be a fraction of a Christian. Even 98% of a Christian is not okay. We're all in or we're all out. Are you with me? Yeah? You can choose. Your parents can't make you. Pastor Josh can't make you. And we can't be there to make every decision. You got to do it. You got to know what you're doing and what you believe and why you're going to do it. But if you are all in, then you have integrity. You are the man of God. I want to talk to you about your what I think is the most important piece of your integrity, and that is your moral courage. You guys live in a crazy world, and you don't even know it. Those of us who are older have seen the changes in the world that you just grew up with and think are normal, and we know it's not normal. <laughs> the world is going crazy, and the world is rejecting sanity, much less truth. And it, it, you guys are in for quite a ride. You, it will take great courage for you guys to stand up as men of God, to live the truth, and to live according to God's commands. But you can do it, and you will do it. But it's going to take great courage. It really is. Because people won't like it when you speak the truth. People won't like it when you don't join them in whatever it is they're doing. And I'm talking about from the jokes you don't laugh at and don't tell to how you treat or don't treat a woman to how you handle your money to when you speak up when everybody else in the classroom says one thing and you raise your hand and you're sweating and your heart is beating fast. You're like, but wait, that's not true. There will be times if you're going to follow God, you will be separated from your very best friends to do what is right. It will take great courage sometimes. Not very often will you stand completely alone. But you might have to in some situations. You might be the only one who's doing the right thing. It will take great courage. Well, what you will find is that there are very few evil people in the world. Most of the bad that happens in the world is because the rest of the people are cowards. Because they don't speak up to stop what is wrong. Do you know that after World War II, when we put all the Holocaust camp guards on trial, they were genuinely shocked to hear that we thought they did anything wrong because they were so brainwashed by the Nazi line. Their excuse was, I was just following orders. I'm not responsible. I was just following orders you will find there are way more cowards in the world than there are evil people. There are a few people who genuinely want to do bad, but most of the bad stuff that happens in the world is because the rest of the public doesn't stand up and stop it. And God holds everybody accountable for what we go along with. It'll happen on your football team. It'll happen in your classroom. It may happen in your family. If you're going to be walking with God, you've got to have the courage to say, I can't be a part of that, or I have to do this. I believe this, even when it's going to cost you. I want to just show you Psalm 15. David asks this question, Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? And then the rest of the psalm is the answer to those questions. Who can be with God? Who can know God? Who can be in his presence? 
The answer is, those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts, those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends, those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord, and they keep their promises even when it hurts, and those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent, such people will stand firm forever. That whole psalm is really good. You need to learn the whole thing. But I would want to point out the line there that says, the, per- the man that can know God, is, who can stand in his presence, is the one who keeps his word no matter what it costs. If you make a promise to a future wife, you stay faithful no matter what it costs. Right. You have a job, you do it, no matter how hard it gets. Whatever responsibilities you have, you do them, even when it hurts. You're going to stand up for the truth when you know you're going to get rejected. You speak up anyway. You show kindness when everybody else is being rude. Making fun of the whoever in the hallway. You show kindness. Even when it looks like weakness. You do whatever is right, no matter what. That's integrity. By what is right, I mean... You do what God says. You do what is loving and kind. You do what is right for the other person, even if it's going to cost you something. You do what is mercy and forgiveness and justice. God made us, men, I mean, God made us to want to be superheroes. We want to fight. We want to be a hero. We want to rescue. We want to fight for justice, and we're willing to die for it. That's why superhero movies are so popular. But you will find in real life there's a lot of chances. There are a lot of chances to be a hero, but none of them involve a gunfight or a fist fight. They generally involve a faith fight and a love fight. Are you going to take care of people? Are you going to do what's right even when everybody else in the public is going to think you're wrong? Everybody else in class is going to mock you what you believe those are the fights of real life Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38 on the screen says the righteous will live by faith but if he shrinks back I am not pleased with him this is God speaking if you shrink back I am not pleased with you we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed but we are those who believe and are saved it's not okay to tell God well I was afraid to do what was right. God says if we shrink back, he is not pleased. In Revelation 21, verse 8, he says, Cowards and unbelievers, the corrupt, the murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. He's he's made a list of people that are thrown into hell when Jesus returns after judgment, and cowards is number one on the list. Do you see it, guys? There are way more cowards that went along with evil in hell than there are evil people that did the evil. Somebody who is quiet in the face of a lie or injustice and just keep your head down, don't rock the boat, just let it happen, gives you the same result as the people doing the evil. Do you see that? Your moral courage is the most important thing about you. 
In Ezekiel 33, I won't read the whole passage, but God tells Ezekiel, if you see evil, if you see danger and you don't speak up, then the people who are killed because of it, I will hold you accountable. If you speak up and they don't listen, their blood's on their own hands. But if you let evil happen and you don't speak up, you're responsible. God is not okay with us being quiet and letting our friends go to hell. We've got to speak up. We've got to do what's right. I've got a quote here from Cicero, who's a Roman writer of ancient days, and he says, I have always been of the opinion that unpopularity earned by doing what is right is not unpopularity at all, but glory. That's in the Bible. Jesus said that what people honor is not honored by God but that we can have honor from God. In fact, there's a verse in the Bible that says when Jesus returns, God will give his people glory and honor. It's not wrong for you to want to be a hero. It's not wrong for you to want glory and honor and to do something great. That is not selfishness. Be great, but be great in God's eyes. Yeah, sports are important. Grades are important. But who cares? I was on two state championship undefeated football teams, and I am a 4.0 from high school, and, I, it doesn't, and it doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter at all. What matters is what am I doing with my life today? Could you name even half of who, the people who got gold medals in the Olympics even a, a month and a half ago? No. We forgot them. You know some of the, the Super Bowl champs, and you know some of the World Series and Stanley Cup champs, but that stuff is so passing yes play sports yes get good grades those things are absolutely important but it's not eternal what matters is what you do for God and the glory and honor that will come from him is he pleased with what you do in faith toward him and in justice toward other people got it Will got it guys alright C.S. Lewis says, human beings judge one another by their external actions, but God judges them by their moral choices. The reason why you do what you do is more important than how big or small it is, or even whether it works out. The reason why you did it is the most important. Derek Prince says something that is true of every Christian, but I'm applying it to you guys right now. You cannot live like other people. You have a special calling. You have special responsibilities. You're set apart just as a soldier is set apart to a special way of life. If you're going to follow God, you're going to be in his army. If you're going to be his soldier, the Bible, Jesus said it and Paul said it. If you're a soldier or an athlete, you don't have second and third priorities. You're going to run the race to win. You're going to fight the battle to win. Don't get distracted by other things in life. It's your choice whether you're going to follow God or not. But if you are, you've got to be all in. So do hard things. Challenge yourself. If something scares you, do that thing on purpose. Do not make a decision out of fear. Don't not do something or do this thing because this thing scares you. Don't ever make a decision out of fear. I have some big regrets from when I was your age of things that I avoided, things that I didn't try because they made me nervous. They scared me a little bit. And I wish I'd at least tried. Because now I'm not scared of them. But that was 25 years ago and I was and now I can't go back and do it. Don't make a decision out of fear. Be bold. Just try it. 
Don't let fear hold you back from what you want to try. You may not succeed, but try. Always bring honor to Jesus. The warriors of the ancient world never fought for themselves. They never fought for glory to earn it themselves. They always fought for their king. And they got their glory and their praise from their king. And it matters. It matters what Jesus thinks. It matters what other people think. On the screen, Psalm, uh, Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Your reputation matters. And I'm not talking about a fake reputation because we already mentioned integrity. I'm talking that in the eyes of other people, what you do matters. The Bible says even a boy is known by his works, whether he is good or bad. People are watching and it matters that you have a testimony that you represent Jesus correctly. If you don't want to represent Jesus, then make that very public. Tell everybody, I'm not a Christian. I'm not obeying God. I'm going to go my own way. But if you're going to say you're a Christian, you've got to know everybody is watching. And that's the way it is. It's like, well, that's not fair. Well, nobody expects you to be perfect. They just expect you to have integrity. Come on. I'm not talking about performance pressure. I'm not talking about putting on an image so that you have a good reputation. I'm saying have a good reputation. Don't disgrace Jesus or yourself or your family by selfishness or cowardice. C.S. Lewis said this, We make men without chests and expect from them virtue and enterprise. We laugh at honor and are shocked to find traitors in our midst. You need to know it's okay that you want to do something great. It's okay that you want honor and glory. Just get it from Jesus, not from people. Get it for eternal things, not for earthly things. Do something great. Work hard. Accomplish. Build. Be. Totally. Do it. Don't be average. But make sure you're doing it for the Lord. And it will last. If you do it for your own fame, or if you are fake, to have a good reputation, but you're somebody else in private, you'll be ruined. Work hard. Get a job. Not three hours a week, 53 hours a week. At your age, you can do that. You earn your own way no matter what. Quote from Nick Saban, who is Alabama's football coach. He says, he's talking about football. I'm telling you about anything in life. If I want to play more, I need to work harder. Everyone is not entitled to an opportunity to play. That's not the way of the world. You have to earn your way. It's true in sports. It's true in church. It's true in the job. Work hard, bust your butt, and work your way up. You're not going to start making big money right out of college. You're not going to have an important job right out of high school. You're not going to have lots of uh, authority and control and a successful business. Anybody that got anything that is truly successful, they work their butt off. And you guys will work hard, and you'll make something. Prove yourself faithful to your boss, to your parents, to your teachers, to your pastors, and you will go somewhere. Nick Saban's right. You, don't, you know that loafers and freeloaders on the football team or the basketball team or in a group project at school and the teacher puts you with the lazy kid and you have to do all the work? You hate that because they're sucking off of your grade and your work. Well, it's true in the job too. It's true in society. You earn your own way. You don't suck off of other people who are working hard and then you take their money. 
If you have a job, you're getting paid by the hour, you work 60 minutes, not 58. You earn that, you earn that wage. You work hard, you do it right. Because I've made here a list of everything the world owes you. It took me a long time to come up with this list to make sure everything was on it, but here is a comprehensive list <laughs> of everything that you are entitled to, of everything that society owes you, everything that other people are going to give you in life. It took me a long time to come up with that list. I mean, I sweated over it for like an hour, but well, the rest of the people of the world owe you nothing. You make your life. You earn it. Your own sweat and your own prayers and your own faith toward Jesus. Even Jesus is not going to drop your life in your lap. Come on. He's not going to drop money in your bank account. He's not going to drop a successful business or miraculously make you a professional athlete. You are going to have to work. Pay your own bills. Earn your own skills. Develop your own talents that he gave you. But you have to work to do it. On Facebook and Instagram, you see these, uh, if you type amen in the next five minutes, you're going to get blessed with money. This is the only way to get blessed with money, <laughs> is to fill out a job application. That is the only way you will be guaranteed to have money. If you fill out one of those and you work hard, you prove yourself to your boss. Lamentations 3.27 says it's good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. God says it is good for you to work hard. Work hard physically. Work hard in class. Work hard in sports. It's good for you. Keep your body strong. There's a lot of us older guys that wish we had done that. We have some regrets. Keep your body strong. Keep your mind sharp. Work hard. Prove yourself. You can do it. 1 Corinthians 13.11 says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. When I became a man. You guys are on your way. You're real close. You guys are just about there. You guys are there. When you become a man, I put away childish things. When I become a man, I put away the Nintendo. I put away the PlayStation. When I become a man, I don't live for superhero fantasy stuff anymore. I'm not saying that, that I play Nintendo with Will. Video games are cool and fun. I go to see Avengers, you know, or whatever. But living for that stuff and thinking that that's what life is, is that's what boys do. At some point, you're going to cross this line where you have to become a man and put that stuff away. It doesn't mean, I, I'm not saying you don't play video games, but it should be a very small portion of your time because you now got a job, you got school, maybe you have a family to take care of. It is not cool if your wife is up doing the chores and you're in the basement playing video games. That is not cool. And there are plenty of guys that do that. And maybe even some guys out here in the room that need to hear that. Put it away. Be a man. Come on. We can play guitar. We can play sports. We can play video games. Go to a movie. Just It cannot be the things that we do that define us anymore. Be a man. Put it away. 
But Mitch, I don't know what I want to be. I don't have any talents. Particularly, I don't have a goal. I don't have a, I've made a list for you of things you can do, even if you know nothing. Here they are. This requires zero talent. Be at practice before time or work or class or whatever the situation is. Work ethic, effort, body language, energy, attitude, passion. Be coachable, do extra, and be prepared. Those take zero talent. I tell you what, every boss will love that. Every teacher will love that. Every coach will love that. Every parent will like, yes, please. (laughs) Be early, be prepared, be teachable, work hard. Whether it's with a toilet brush or a basketball or a computer, if you do that, you will go somewhere in life. You will totally go somewhere in life. I mean, you could start totally at the bottom with the toilet brush, and you'll be the manager in six months. You'll be in charge of the bank account. (laughs) If you can prove yourself that you are trustworthy and hardworking, you come early and stay late, you will be there. The way you handle your money is as important as any other moral choice you have. If you, if you handle money in a sinful way, you ruin your testimony as fast as any other sin. If you are not responsible, you be honest on the job and in business with your own. I'm not talking about you get rich and you're successful in the world's eyes with finances. I'm talking about how you handle your money. God's way. You have integrity. And be generous. Nobody likes a tightwad. A selfish person. It's easy to give away what was given to you. But when you give away what you earned, you're a truly generous man. You give away what you earned. You'll know real generosity because that's real sacrifice. And for some guys like Pastor Josh or me, our vocation, our paycheck is earned by doing ministry and we give our life to the Lord in that way. But for most guys, it, you drive a log truck or work at a factory or teach school or run a computer or whatever you do, the way for you to give your life to the Lord is to give away what you earned because it took me a day to earn this $200 and I give it away. You're literally giving your life away to the Lord. This is a very real, practical, faithful way to serve the Lord. Well, God, how could I serve you? I, I drive a truck or I stock the shelves or... I run a cash register or I teach class. Well, you can when you give that time to the Lord through your money. You be generous with what you earned. You're a truly generous person. Will and I talked a couple of weeks ago about faithfulness, and I want to pass on what I told you. Do you. Maybe you were here, maybe you weren't. Two weeks ago, I told the story of Bartimaeus, the blind guy, who starts shouting at Jesus as he's passing. Do you remember that story? Okay, there's a whole crowd of people and Bartimaeus is blind and he can't see, but he hears the crowd and he hears that Jesus is the reason for the crowd and he begins to shout out, Jesus, Jesus, come over here. Okay, and Jesus comes over and heals him and he sees, all right? So I hope you know the story. But I want to point out that Bartimaeus had like a two-minute window to catch Jesus' attention, right? Zacchaeus had like five minutes to get up that tree or he's going to miss Jesus, Right? What I have seen in scripture and in my life and in a whole bunch of people's lives is that there are actually, in scripture, we don't know very much about most of the people in the Bible. We've got characters like Moses and David and Jesus and Paul where we know their whole life. But most of the people in the Bible, we only know five minutes of their life. 
those two guys, the ten lepers that Jesus healed and nine of them ran off and one came back to say thank you. Remember that story? That leper that Jesus said was so great, we only know an hour of his life. John the Baptist, that Jesus said he was the greatest man ever. We know about when he was born and we know about how he preached and we know how he died. And we only know three days of his life. Jesus said he's the greatest man ever. Here's my point. In our lives, as well as the Bible people, characters, there really are very few moments that define our lives. And we either, we either do the right thing or we miss it. If, Bar, if Bartimaeus had been quiet when the crowd told him to shut up, he'd have missed Jesus. If Zacchaeus hadn't taken drastic action to find a tree and get up and find it, if Hannah hadn't been desperate in her prayer for a son, if Samson's mom hadn't been desperate in a prayer for a son, she'd admit they'd have missed what God's defining moments are. I can look back in my life and I can say there was a day where God directed me to the college I was supposed to go to. And that directed me to the woman I'm supposed to marry. And that directed me here. And I know there was one day 15 years ago where I was supposed to be at a prayer meeting and I did not want to go. And if I had skipped it, I would not be a pastor right now. I can see directly God gave me these instructions and there were big life-defining moments, but they were everyday moments. So what I want to tell you is you're not looking for the big dramatic moments where God just all of a sudden makes you the sports superstar or he drops this financial success on you or God splits the sky and angels come down and they say, Sean, this is what I'm going to do with your life. It may happen. It's pretty rare. Mostly the way we make a godly life is by being faithful every day. Because I, what I told Will is, is when you're faithful every day in obeying what you know God is saying today, either in his scripture or in his spirit, if you're faithful every day, you won't miss the big moments because you will know his voice. But if you're not paying attention in being faithful to obey mom when she says clean your room, if you're not being faithful to handle your money correctly, if you're putting off and being lazy with your homework or you're not volunteering to serve at church, then when God shows up in the big moments, you're not used to paying attention to his voice and you will miss it. So here's Lou Holtz, Notre Dame's football coach. He says, everybody's looking for instant success, but it doesn't work that way. You build a successful life one day at a time. We look in the scripture and we see these people that did these great things or they had this powerful supernatural moment with God or with Jesus. Like, wow, I want one of those. And people waste their entire life waiting for some big moment. You be faithful every day. In the little things, you will recognize God's voice when it comes and it is a big moment. You guys hear me? Be faithful. A.W. Tozier says, most Christians don't hear God's voice because we've already decided we aren't going to do what he says. If you aren't obeying God in the little things every day, you're, he's not going to show up and give you a big, important, glorious task to do. Because if he did, you would ignore him and he'd just add to your list of disobedience. So it's actually his mercy that he doesn't talk a lot to most of his children. Y'all hear me? Yes. Yes. Can you say amen? amen? Let's talk about girls. Guys, the girl you choose will either make your life or she will ruin it. 
the girl you choose is as important as your choice to follow Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior. And I say that with emphasis because if you choose the wrong girl, she will lead you away from Jesus. If you choose somebody who's a good girl, but she is not all out for Jesus, she will make you compromise and lead you away. The woman you choose is the most important choice you will make. And let me say this with emphasis. You are not choosing a body. You are not choosing a face. You are choosing a person with a personality. Find somebody that you can be friends with, that is fun, that is cool. And by cool, I mean minimal drama. Find somebody who is your friend. And absolutely, yes, you want her to be somebody that you particularly are attracted to. All of us older people can tell you that once you start getting older, everything starts to head south and puff up anyway. (laughs) It all starts to change. You are picking a girl that you will be faithful to for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer in sickness and in health. There will be grand days of adventure and love and romance and fun and great things. And there are a lot of days where it's not better, it's worse. She is not interested in taking care of you. She is not interested in talking correctly. She is not interested in looking good for you. Are you going to be faithful in those moments? Are you going to take care of her? Even when life is not better, it's worse. Or what if she gets sick and you really like her cooking, but she's not able to cook for you anymore. You're taking care of her. What if there's financial problems? When you marry, you will have a lover and a friend, but there's plenty of days where nothing's going to go right. You be faithful. Regardless of what happens, you treat her right, you take care of her when she's sick or in pain, you care about her when she isn't treating you the way you want to be treated. You're marrying for better and worse, for richer and poorer, in sickness and in health. You need to know that a girlfriend is the world's invention, it's not God's plan. You don't take a girl and use her and then pass her on to the next guy. Never, don't you dare do that. A girl is not an object to be used and then passed on. It's not, I'm not saying it's wrong to date. I'm saying God's idea is not have a girlfriend and then the next girlfriend and the next girlfriend. God says you, have, you can have no girl until you choose the one. And after you choose the one, you get no other girl. Would you be faithful? Not just with your body and your money and your time, but your eyes and your thoughts. I said with your eyes and your thoughts. You stay faithful to her. Because you may think, well, after I'm married and I'm getting what I need and I want, I won't be tempted. That's a lie. Like, well, when I grow older, it won't be as tempting. It's that it is. Every guy with oxygen in his blood God made us to be attracted to women. 
and you must remain faithful every day. She's not going to be so magical that you aren't tempted by somebody else at some point. You keep your eyes and your heart and your thoughts on her alone. God made us attracted to women. Yay, God. (laughs) And then he says, you may choose one and you give her everything. She owns you and you own her. And then you don't get anybody else ever. When you're willing to make that commitment, you know you're a man. We want to do great things. The movies tell us we should do these fantastically romantic, great dramatic things. And we're made to fight dragons and stop bullets. When a man says he'd do anything for a woman, he means he'd stop bullets and kill dragons, not clean the basement or wash dishes. You know, really? Your girl is probably more interested in you just being there every day, be responsible to pay the bills, take care of helping with whatever needs done around the house or the babies or whatever, however you two work it out. Everyday life is where love is made. It's not in the grand heroic moments where, oh, baby, I'd stop a bullet for you. Well, when's that ever going to happen? <laughs> you prove your love by the fact that you're not down in the basement playing video games when she's upstairs changing diapers. You keep your eyes and your mind clean. If there's a girl that wants to be treated like an object, who wants to be passed around from guy to guy, You stay away from her. Have nothing to do with her. If she's going to show herself off and throw herself at every guy before she's yours, she'll do it while she's yours, and she'll do it after she's yours. The first eight chapters of Proverbs is King David telling Solomon, stay away from that woman. Have nothing to do with her. You may not have a classmate or a girlfriend do that, but there's a million and a half women online willing to do that. Stay away. The Bible says don't go near their door. Their door is your computer screen. Stay away. Proverbs says it is the stairway to hell. And there's a lot of guys that can tell you it is. Get out. Keep your eyes and your mind clean. You use your strength to protect her and take care of her and any future children the Lord may give you is God's men are not wimps. Be strong in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit. Be strong. Be as macho as you want to be. Be gentle and kind. If you get a girl that doesn't want you to be chivalrous, get away. She doesn't want you to take care of her. She's not worth your time. Ladies, if you find a guy you think you like, by the way, girls, I'll do this again someday with advice talks that I've had with my daughters. Uh, We'll do this again. I'm not leaving you out on purpose at all. But if you find a guy that you think you like, I hope you were listening. 
This is the kind of guy you want. Pay attention to how he treats older people. Is he kind and gentle with older women? Does he stand up and shake hands and look a man in the eye? Or does he continue to just stare at his phone? <laughs> Come on. How does he treat children? Are they a nuisance or is he kind and gentle? It's the kind of guy you want. Pay attention to how he handles his money. Does he work hard? Does he have a job or does he live in mom and dad's basement when he's 34? Okay, yeah, okay. Talking about, we're talking about 25 and 30. Is he humble? Does he admit he is wrong easily and often? You hear that, guys? Easily and often. Do you admit you're wrong? If he doesn't, ladies, run. Do you know his family? Guys, you're not just marrying a girl, you're marrying her family. It matters. You get along with her dad and her mom and her brothers. It matters. Is he already known and serving in church? So many times I've seen women bring the men into the church here who are all of a sudden a Christian. Yeah. And as soon as there's a breakup, they're gone. You don't want a guy that says he's a Christian, but nobody at church knows him. Urban Meyer, another football coach, says, I don't care what you do at my camp. I care what your high school coach says about you. Ladies, you don't care what the guy says about himself. Go and talk to his pastor. Come on. Before you give your heart away, go and talk to his pastor. He will put on anything he needs to put on to get you. And then as soon as he's got what he wants, he doesn't have to act it out anymore. Don't be that guy. Proverbs says to the son, above all, get wisdom. Above all, get wisdom. Learn what God wants. Learn what will make a good life and obey God. Keep your integrity. Keep your conscience clean. Do whatever God says and you will have a great adventure. There will be more question marks and pain and troubles than you can imagine, but there will be greater victories and adventure than you can imagine also. You guys are great. It's going to be great men of God. Bless you all. Lord, we bless these young men in Jesus' name. We thank you for the honor and the privilege of getting to raise the next generation as a, as a church family, as, as parents of these young men, Lord. I bless each one. Lord, I ask that you fill them with your spirit, that you fill them with your word, that they would know your truth, that, that you would convict them by your Holy Spirit that you would lead them in this path and the steps that you have ordained for them, Lord. Don't let the enemy pull them away. Don't let temptation pull them out into the world, Lord, but keep them in your kingdom. Keep them on as your men and your servants, the warriors of the cross, Lord, to fight for truth and justice in Jesus' name. Lord, I bless each one. I thank you for the testimony that you will create in each one of their lives of your goodness and your graciousness, of your mercy, and your victory. I speak faith, and grace, and peace over each one of them. We look forward to seeing your works in their lives. 
In Jesus' name.